Last month, the United Nations Security Council approved a resolution that would send troops from four countries to quell unrest in Haiti. The group was to be led by Kenya, whose leader said intervention was a pan-African effort to support the people of Haiti. The cry of our brothers and sisters who are the first people to win their struggle for freedom from colonial tyranny has reached our ears and touched our hearts. But on November 9th, more than a year after Haitian Prime Minister Ariel Henry first requested help from the international community, the Kenyan government said it was withholding the 1,000 police officers it committed to send to the island nation until all conditions of the agreement are met. The mandates of the mission had to be anchored properly in law. That was meant back in October when the UN Security Council resolution was passed. But Kenya's second ask that all resources, including training, funding, and equipment necessary for the trip be provided to Kenya by the international community before their troops leave Kenyan soil. That is yet to be fulfilled, further stalling the deployment of Kenyan troops to Haiti. Kenyan officials estimate that the year-long deployment will cost 600 million U.S. dollars. Meanwhile, reports say that conditions in Haiti, which has been without a fully functioning government since January, are getting worse by the day. I'm your host, Juan Ben Jr., and this week on The Hill Talks, I talk to Foley Quavey, news and politics reporter at The Hilltop, and we zoom in on the world's first black republic, Kenya's attempt to help and what's getting in the way. So I wonder if we can just start off by explaining what daily life is like for people in Haiti right now. So right now, Haiti doesn't necessarily have a real full functioning government. Majority of the capital city is run and controlled by violent gangs which citizens have rallied around defending themselves with ordinary weapons like machetes. There's been more than 1,200 killings and 700 kidnappings uh, from July to September. There's about 200,000 Haitians that just lost their homes to gang members and village neighborhoods, you know, operated by rivals trying to get control of more territory. And essentially, those who are running the government of Haiti right now called for assistance from the UN. And Kenya agreed to spearhead a campaign to go in there for a peace mission and humanitarian aid. Um, but they haven't deployed troops yet. I want to get to um, Haiti's prime minister's request for this assistance. But first, I wonder if we can just go back a little bit and tell me how we even got here in the first place. Yes. So in 2021, the former president of Haiti was assassinated, which led to an increase in gang-related violence. Several armed groups, those primarily under gang federations, G9 and GPEP, they seized control of different neighborhoods in different cities and different territories in Port-au-Prince. Following that, in January this year, there was 10 remaining senators in Haiti and their terms expired, and that was the end of, like, the last democratically elected institution in Haiti. So after January, there was no legislator in the House of Representatives or the Senate in Haiti, allowing gangs to really take control of neighborhoods, take control of territories. Um, some even estimate that they control by 80% of the capital. 
the prime minister was talking about how the real problem isn't necessarily the gang and increase in violence, but having a way to quell those increase in violence by making sure that Haiti has a stable and functioning government. The biggest problem in Haiti right now is the absence of government. So it's it's almost like uh, the aid that the prime minister of Haiti is asking to be sent to Haiti to help quell the unrest might not actually be as helpful as Haiti getting a functioning government that can administer the aid once it even comes to Haiti. And speaking of this aid, I mean, you know, Kenya committed to sending a thousand police officers to help quell the unrest. And they were going to lead this multinational effort with a couple other countries. And so you wrote about this resolution that was passed in October. So I wonder if you can just talk a little bit about this resolution and exactly what it what it was going to do for the people of Haiti. So Essentially, the resolution would allow troops promised by uh, Kenya to be placed in Haiti, and they will be put in specialized, like important areas, airports, ports, schools, hospitals. Other countries have agreed to join in too, Antigua, the Bahamas, Jamaica, Barbuda. So I want to say a huge problem of this UN aid to Haiti is the historical context of the relationship between UN operations and the treatment of Haitians. Kenya is actually branching off a previous UN mission that was led by Brazil from 2004 to 2017 to help stabilize Haiti. It led to a huge cholera epidemic that made 800,000 Haitians ill and killed 9,000. The UN soldiers were retaliated with protests by the Haitian country. In a march towards the presidential palace, they held banners calling the UN presence an occupation. Troops were pulled out of Haiti due to just the mistreatment and also just operations not fully meeting expectations or actually being effective. Historically speaking, Haiti being the first Black Republic has been subject to invasions, occupations, sanctions by the West. This is a country that was founded and created by former enslaved Africans who beat the French, the Spanish, the British, the United States, basically embarrassing these major Western powers. And as a result of that, Haiti has often been punished. Most of the stories that talk about Haiti often mention it being the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere without actually contextualizing how it got here. And this UN mission is really critical in terms of like trying to amend those relationships with how the West treats Haitians and whether or not this is actually humanitarian aid that will be beneficial or if this is just another onset of keeping Haitians down or keeping the country destabilized furthermore. That is what Third Way Alliance is kind of arguing, right? Um, and Third Way Alliance being the opposition party that uh, is against Kenya sending aid and sending troops to Haiti because they deem it unlawful and they think it's wrong. But we also have an African country that yeah. is wanting to send troops. And I think people might see that as a different thing, but yeah. they might be operating the same kind of way. I want to bring it back 
to the Haitian people because this is their lived experiences, right? They're the ones that are having to actually deal with the violence. You mentioned a clear outbreak that happened back in the 2000s when Haiti was going through another period of unrest, but there's another cholera outbreak going on right now. And children are facing malnutrition and there is just a border dispute as well too. There's a border yeah. yeah, and so there's just so much going on there. Um, and you talk to some people, including some Howard students that have family back in Haiti and have ties back to the country. And I wonder if we can just end our conversation with what they told you about their family's experiences. So some of the Haitian students that I talked to, uh, we're just talking about the difficulties of learning and really wanting to go back, seeing their family, seeing their homes, seeing their houses, spending time with their cousins and family. And they're just not able to because of the danger. Kind of hard though, because like me personally, like I've been wanting to go back to Haiti for mad long, and I kind of have to deal with like always hearing like my family talking about, oh, it's not a good time because there's mad gang violence happening right now, and it's just not a safe environment um, for people to come back home. My like great grandfather, I think, he had to like his his house got raided by people, and he had to like leave his house for like a like a certain number of days or something like that. Speaking for myself personally, as just an immigrant, I don't, I don't, I think every one of us, we miss our home, you know, like it's where we're from, it's where we're born, it's our, it's where our ancestral uh, ties are, and when there's such a huge barrier that you're not able to access your home, your family, it really does distort the way you navigate life. Well, Foley, thank you for your time and thank you for talking to me today about this very, very important issue. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for today's episode of The Hill Talks. You can find all of our news and politics coverage, plus more on culture and campus life at Howard University at thehilltoponline.com. Follow us on social media at the Hilltop HU. We have original theme music by Terry Thomas, and this episode was edited, written, and produced by me. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode of the Hilltalks.